Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. I'm looking forward to sharing with you. As you can imagine, uh, from time to time I get people will come up to me, especially after a Wednesday night or a Sunday night, and say, Pastor, I've got a question. And uh, I get that quite often. I don't always have the answer, but, but I get that quite often. Pastor, I've got a, a question. Recently, somebody asked me that question. They came up, you know, we've been doing on Wednesday nights now for two or three weeks, uh, this I've got a question series. And we, we started out talking about on the very first one about the Trinity. How can there be one God in three persons? And then we talked about creation and creation and evolution and all of that. And I think it was that night after uh, the, the study of creation, somebody came up to him and said, Pastor, I've got a question. And it was a really good question. It's one that I have heard several times, as you can imagine. But he said, uh, I know that God created the world, but where did evil come from? I know that God created the world, don't have any problem with that. But where did evil come from? So how would you answer that question? You don't have to say it out loud, but, but think about it for a moment. Where did evil come from? If God created everything, did God create evil? Where did evil come from? So, tonight, that's our question. If you've got your notes, or if you didn't, you can get them out front or up here the question we're going to be looking at tonight is, why is there evil in the world? Why is there evil in the world? Or you could say it like it was asked of me, where did evil come from? A Barnapole once asked, if you could ask God only one question, what would you ask? And by far, the, the most common reply was, why is there pain and suffering in the world? That was the biggest question by far. If you could ask God just one question, what would it be? And by far it was, why is there pain and suffering in the world? This one question causes more unbelief, more doubt, and more downright rejection of God than probably any other problem or any other question. Dr. James Merritt said, it's the one and only bullet in the atheist gun. Where did evil come from? And for them, for the atheist and the agnostic, they would say, the existence of evil disproves the existence of God. So, we're going to deal with that question tonight. And of course, you know that we can only deal with it in, in a limited basis. But we're going to do our very best to try to answer the question, where or why is there evil in the world? And I will say to you that uh, I'm sharing with you information that I gained from a book called Foundations, and it was written by Tom Holliday and Kay Warren. It's a, a workbook type of thing, and I'm sharing with you much of what I've learned from them. Um, but really, that, that question, why or where is, why is there evil in the world? Really, there's two questions intertwined with that question. One of the questions that, that people often ask is, why do bad things happen to good people? I thought about that tonight as I was listening to the prayer request. High schooler, high school volleyball player, dies. Grandfather, granddaughter in a car accident on 85. And every Wednesday night, there's a list like that, right? And when you talk to people, and, and sometimes it's not just people you hear about, sometimes it's you. And you get the doctor's report that it's cancer. Or... or you have a problem that you have no answer for. 
Why, why do bad things happen to good people? That's what I started to talk about tonight. Why do bad things happen to good people? That's what, and maybe we still will at some point. Uh, but, but the deeper question is the question, well, where did evil even come from? That's the deeper question we're going to be looking at tonight. And it's not just the skeptic that asks that question. It's not just the atheist that asks that question. Sometimes it's a good Baptist on a Wednesday night. He says, I just got a question for you. Where did evil come from? Uh, the eminent teacher and theologian John Stott said, The fact of suffering undoubtedly constitutes the greatest challenge to the Christian faith. So I'm going to bullet down to this question. If God is so good, why is the world so bad? That's a big question. Apostle Paul referred to the problem of unanswered questions in 1 Corinthians 13, 12 when he says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then uh, I shall know even as I am known. In other words, there's a, there's a now and then component to our faith, right? There's a now, our perception now, but then there's the perception then. And so we, we have to wrestle with the, with the questions that we have now, realizing that they're not fully going to ever be answered until then. So I don't want to have the audacity to try to pretend that, that I've got all the answers to your question now. We're going to do our best to point you to the Word of God tonight. But there's a now and a then aspect to this huge question. But I want to start uh, with just kind of a little quiz, just for fun, because this is such a heavy subject. Uh, we need to start with a little bit of fun before we get too deep. And so here's the question. I want to give you a little quiz, and I want you to say out loud, I want you to answer the question out loud, either good or evil. I want you to just kind of shout it out, good or evil. I'll start with an easy one, uh, just to get you in the habit of doing this. Uh, is the Bible good or evil? Of course, that's an easy one. It's, it's uh, there's no debate in our group tonight about that, but let's go a little bit deeper now. Uh, what about snow? Good or evil? Is it always good? <laughs> I mean, snow is good. It's beautiful. I love it. I hope we get some snow this year. Snow is good, but have you ever heard of, of an avalanche? Nothing good about that. Well, let's try another one. How about these cell phones? <laughs> I think some people said bad. It's like that wasn't the question. It was good or evil. I knew it would be some debate. And of course, when you can talk about the cell phone, yes, it's good. And then there's a lot of bad about it or evil about it as well. Now, here's another one. How about Pepsi? Good. I heard that. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I got that good. Here's one. How about you? Good or evil? Yes. <laughs> That's when it gets interesting. We know, we know that we're a creation of God, created in the image of God. We know that in that regard we're good. But we also know that we struggle with the reality of evil in our lives. So, this becomes part of this, the question. Why does evil exist in God's world? 
I want to start out kind of an introductory thing there. You see it on your notes. I want to give you three truths about the question of evil. These are very, in some ways, elementary or simple, simplistic, and yet they are, they are extremely important and extremely uh, enlightening. So, three truths about the question of evil. We've got to start th- with these three things. Kind of, these are kind of our foundation stones to everything else we'll talk about. First of all, the first truth about the question of evil is this. God is good. And you know that. And that's already on your notes. That's the starting place, though, of any discussion of evil in the world. You have to start with these three words. God is good. Would you say that with me? God is good. That's the starting point. You don't start talking about evil. The starting point is to recognize and to remember and to recite the very truth that God is good. There's just too much good in the world to deny God's goodness. Would you agree with that? I mean, there's examples of God's goodness all over, our cre- all over this world. And when I say God is good, there's two things I want you to put on your notes. Two things I want you to realize about the goodness of God. First of all, His character is good. His character is good. Psalm 100 verse 5, you don't have to turn there, but you can just write down the reference. Psalm 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. And his love endures forever. And his faithfulness continues through all generations. In other words, God is good, always has been, always will be good to every generation. God is good in his character. Secondly, number two, his actions are good. Uh, we, we could just take a time uh, and, and talk about, hey, can you give us an example of God's goodness? And you, you could certainly give testimony to the goodness of God. But can I just remind you something so basic that every time you take in a breath of air, you're experiencing God's goodness. Can I remind you the fact that you're able to, to uh, walk into this building tonight is an example of God's goodness. Can I remind you please that every time you hold a precious child in your arms, you are experiencing God's goodness. Every time you see a sunrise or sunset, you're seeing again God's goodness. So God is good in His character and God is good in His actions. Now, that's the first foundational truth. We get that. We don't need to stay there very long. Second is, is also one that you know very well, but we need to say it. Number two, God is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. Jeremiah thirty-two eighteen says, Great and powerful God, your name is the Lord all-powerful. Or, as it says in other translations, your name is the Lord Almighty. And you'll see that, that name of God, especially in the Old Testament, the Lord Almighty, over and over and over again. And it simply means all-powerful. And you know what that all-powerful phrase means? It means exactly what it says. God has the power to do anything. God's not limited in His power in any form or fashion. And, and so look at these two things. God is good. And God is all-powerful. That makes sense. We understand that. But it's the third thing that kind of throws us for a loop. I hope you've got your notes. The world is evil. 
Again, that's simple, but foundational. God is good, God is all-powerful, but it's the third one that throws us for a loop. The world is evil. How do you explain that? I mean, if God really is good, if God really is all-powerful, how do you explain that the world is evil? Well, the Bible does tell us that the world is evil. For example, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, it, again, let me just quote it for you. It says, Stop loving this evil world and all that it offers you. It refers to the word as this evil world. Uh, I'll tell you what, open your Bibles for a moment. I want to show you how evil is prevalent in our world. Go to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6. I want to show you, uh, and Matthew chapter 7. I want to show you something there that, that I found recently. It just how prevalent evil is. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is, of course, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is speaking. Of course, Jesus is speaking in all of this, all all three of these chapters. Uh, But Jesus says... uh, just for the context, let's start in verse 43. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, uh, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Now, here's the verse I wanted you to see. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. Jesus was acknowledging there are folks in this world that is evil, that are evil. This is an evil world. And, and God sends uh, his son to rise on the evil and the good. Uh, look over in chapter 6, the next chapter. Matthew chapter 6, um, verse 13. At the end of this prayer, we call the Lord's Prayer, he says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the what? The evil one. Jesus said, When you pray, you need to remember you live in an evil world. There is an evil one who's at work in this evil world. And pray that God would deliver you from the evil one. Uh, Then Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus again speaking. Uh, Verse 9 and 10. This is 9, 10, 11. This is what Jesus says. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are what, church? Evil. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Jesus said, it's not just that you live in an evil world, and it's not just that there is an evil one, but you yourself are evil as well. So how do we explain that? How can, how can, all of these, how can these three things be true? Look up here for a moment. How can these three things be true? God is good. God is all-powerful. The world is evil. I mean, if God is good, how could He allow evil to exist? And if He is all-powerful, why doesn't He stop evil? Well, there's been thousands of books written, I'm sure, on that question. All kinds of things online you could access. But I'm going to kind of boil it down to one statement. If you take all that theological and philosophical jargon and sum it up, it would be summed up in this one sentence. There is no love without choice. 
I can't remember if there's a fill in the blank there, but uh, just if not, write it down. There is no love without choice. God could have made a person who would never have chosen to sin, but that person would have been denied the opportunity to choose to love. Let me say that again. God could have chosen, if He wanted to, to create a person who would be denied the opportunity to sin, but that person would also in turn be denied the opportunity to choose to love. The choice that God gives us to say yes to Him also means that we have a choice to say no to Him. The choice that He gives us to to do the right thing also means that He gives us the opportunity to do the wrong thing. And that ultimately is where evil enters our world. Choice to love is the choice to choose to do the right thing or the wrong thing. Now, before we get too deep into this, uh, I want to talk for a moment about the realization that this is not just a philosophical discussion. For some of you, this is a very personal discussion. And I'm trying to be very sensitive to that, that to recognize that for some of you, you've experienced evil and problems in your life. And this is not a philosophical debate. This is, for some of you, a very personal issue because you've experienced the pain of an evil world. The problems of an evil world. For some reason, and I'm not sure who this is for, but... um, Back, um, a few years back, when I was state convention president, I think it was the year after that, actually, uh, I was invited to go. The state convention had a special worship service at Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston. And if you'll remember, I've got the dates written down. On June seventeenth, two 2015, at Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston, they had a Wednesday night Bible study in the basement of their church. And a 22-year-old young man, Dylan Roof, walked into that Bible study in the basement, sat through the Bible study, and then when they were praying near the end of the Bible study, he took out his gun and he started killing people. He killed nine people. I was invited to a special service. Um, I I can't remember exactly when it was. I think it was the year after I was president. I was invited to a special service. South Carolina Baptists were meeting in that church for a special worship service. And I was invited to be in that service. And I went to that service and I heard the pastor speak of that church, the pastor of that church, who also happened to, he lost his wife. Uh, his wife was one of the ones that were killed in that night, that Wednesday night Bible study. And I, I sat there and I listened to the words of hope and I, I listened to the music and the praises that were sung. And somewhere in the process of that evening, I went down to the basement. When you go down to the basement, I went to the room, to the area, just an open area when you first go down the steps, 
And that's where the, uh, someone told me, said that this is where the Bible study was. This is where the, the shooting occurred. I'm standing in that basement. And just kind of wrestling with what happened here and what's going on up there right above my head. Like the floor right above my head, they're praising God. And they're, they're, they're talking about great hope. And they're talking about heaven. And they're singing songs. And they're opening the Bible. And they're praying. And they're having this incredible worship time right above my head. And I'm in the basement. And this is where all the killing was. The evil. But that's kind of a picture of our world, isn't it? It really kind of is a picture of what's happening in our world. There is good and there is evil. There is hope in God and praising God and, and then acknowledging the pain and the heartache and the questions of living in an evil world. So I, I recognize that what we're talking about today, this evening, is a difficult subject to grasp, but for some it is a difficult subject to hear. Because maybe you're living in the pain of a broken world right now. So, we want to do our best to answer this question. Where did evil, why is there evil in the world? I'm going to give you three answers. And I'm going to beg, 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 beg. I'm going to beg you to listen carefully. Because I don't want to be misquoted. And I don't want you to misunderstand. Okay? So here we go. Let's jump in. Why is there evil in the world? Number one, put this on your notes. God's will. Because God allows evil. I didn't say God provides evil. I didn't say God promotes evil. But God allows evil. Yes, God is all-powerful. This means that evil could not exist in this world except for the fact that God allows it. Listen carefully. Again, I don't want to be misquoted. And I don't want you to misunderstand. If God is all-powerful, and He is, evil could not exist. God is sovereign. Evil could not exist without God allowing it. It's hard for people to understand how great and how good God is, and yet at the same time, how He could allow evil to exist. So I'm going to try to describe it for you. Put this on your notes. Follow along as we go. Here's what the Bible says. This is not what Keith says. Here's what the Bible says. First of all, number one, he made a world in which evil could exist. That's what I mean by God allows evil. He made a world in which evil could exist. Uh, I, I did not say that he made a world where evil must exist. And I want to be clear, God did not create evil. I want to be as clear as I can be. God did not create evil. In Genesis, when God created the world, all of creation, we're told He looked at it and He said, it is what? Exactly. But He did create a world where evil 
could be a choice. See if this makes sense. In Genesis chapter 3, we don't have time to read and study that, but in Genesis chapter 3, God planted a tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden, and it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In fact, if you do a little Bible study, it won't take you long to look it up. The first time evil appears in the Bible is in that verse. The first time you, you see the concept, the idea of evil in the Bible is that God planted a tree in the Garden of Eden which was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God at least, watch this, He at least allows the choice between good and evil. Secondly, I would say in Genesis 3, God let Satan in the garden in the form of a snake. He allowed Satan in the garden in the form of a snake. And then thirdly, I would say, if you read Genesis 3, God allowed Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit. He allowed them to eat of the fruit. Again, it goes back to love is a choice. So this is what I mean when I say God allows evil. He planted a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He, He let the snake into the garden. He didn't stop Adam and Eve from eating from the tree. So, so this is what I mean when I say God allows evil in our world. He, when faced with the truth that God allows evil in our world, we have two temptations we have to be careful about. Uh, the first temptation is to say, well, if, if I were God, I would have done it differently. <laughs> if I were God, I would have figured out a way to do that and, and not... You know, bring about that kind of, of sin and, and evil into the world. No, if you were God, you would know instantly why he chose to do what he did. But you're not God, nor am I. And so, remember what I said earlier, there's a now and a then perspective to, to life and to faith. We have a now perspective. Eventually, we'll have a then perspective. Paul, the Apostle Paul, I, I see through a glass darkly now, but then... I'll sit a lot better. And the, the second temptation that we have is to minimize God. And what I mean by minimize God is that uh, we, we think that somehow evil slipped into the world. That somehow uh, evil not, didn't necessarily overpower God, but, but it somehow came in in spite of God's power. That's just, I don't think, biblical. God is powerful, all-powerful. God allowed the choice, but He did not produce the evil. Now, the second thing is, I'm going to have to watch the clock and speed up a little bit. When we're talking about God's will, God allows evil. I said, first of all, He made a world in which evil could exist. Number two, God allows evil to continue to exist. We have to acknowledge that. God does not choose or cause evil, but He does allow it to continue to exist. Uh, What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, a couple of things. First of all, God allows us to make evil choices. God allows you and I to make evil choices. Psalm 81.12 says, So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. God says, I allowed them to make evil choices. 
God allows people to make bad choices and evil choices. He allows you and me to do that. Um, Picture it this way. Uh, God has filled the world with stop signs. This is just an illustration. God has filled the world with stop signs. And, and of course, these are the stop signs. All the stop signs are in here. But God has filled the world with stop signs. And He's told us, no, no, stop, stop, stop. And and you have the, the decision to choose whether to stop or to run through the stop sign. You have the opportunity to make that choice. And every time you run one of those stop signs... Uh, you're choosing. God's not making you do that. You're choosing to do that. Which brings us to the second thing. I said first, God allows us to make evil choices. Number two, God allows painful consequences of the evil choices that we make. God allows painful consequences of the evil choices that we make. In other words, if you run through the stop signs, there's going to be some consequences. Uh, in Leviticus 5.17 says, If someone sins and without realizing it does, does one of the things forbidden by Yahweh's commandments, he will answer for it and bear the consequences of his guilt. When we run the red light, when we knowingly run the red light or the stop sign, uh, there will be a consequences for sure. Uh, we, we reap what we sow according to the New Testament. Um, Okay, so um, let me pause for a minute. I've got to eliminate some stuff because I'm going to run out of time. But let me pause for a moment and say this. Sometimes the evil that comes into your life, and you know this, but sometimes the evil that comes into your life is not because you ran the stop sign, but because somebody else did. Right? The pain that you endure is not because you made the wrong decision. Somebody else made the wrong decision. And that's, that's, that's the time where life gets hard, right? That's the time when faith sometimes is tough. Of course, the classic example of that in, in the Bible would be Joseph. Joseph who experienced one bad thing after another, and none of it was because he ran the stop sign. Because somebody else made those decisions. Somebody else ran the stop signs. He had to pay the consequences. He had to face the consequences of their decisions. And yet at the end of all of that, you know the story of Joseph, at the end of all of that, Joseph said, you meant it for evil. But God used it for good. So there, there is... Um, there is... I'm trying to think of the word. There, there is a, a fascination, for lack of a better term. There's a fascination with how does God do that? How does God take what is clearly evil? The decisions of his brothers. The decision of Pharaoh. The decision of Pharaoh's wife. How does God take that which is clearly evil? Something clearly evil done to a good person. How does God take all of that and mix it up and somehow at the end of it, Joseph was able to say, but God did good with it. I don't know. And I don't think we will know on this side of heaven. Again, I go back to, there's the now and a then perspective. And right now, we see through the glass darkly. But it really comes down to, I'm trusting that God knows what I don't know. I'm trusting that God can do what I can't do.
I'm trusting that God is going to use this somehow for good. And in fact, isn't that what Paul wrote in Romans 8? For we know that all things work together for good. And he didn't say, it would be foolish to say, and we know that all things are good. It would be foolish to say that. But, But Paul says, but we know that it all works for good. Now, i just got to confess to you, that's easy to get up and talk about in a Bible study. It's a lot harder to live. But it still is true. It still is true. So, let's go on to the next one. Three reasons for the existence of evil in the world. The first one is God's will. He allows evil. Secondly, number two, Satan's influence. Satan afflicts evil. Now, let me let me try to help you with this area of, of understanding the whole concept of evil. I don't believe that Satan has the ability to create evil. And we're getting kind of in the tall weeds here, but you just walk with me for a moment. I don't think he has the ability to create anything. I think only God can create. Now maybe it's semantics and I'm playing with words here, but I think only God has the ability to create. Satan doesn't have the power to create anything. All he can do is to try to twist or withhold or pervert what God has created. Does that make sense? For example, the weather. God creates the weather, but yet, if you read the book of Job, Satan used the weather to kill his family. But God created the weather. See, all that Satan can do is to twist or or to pervert or to uh, misuse or, or withhold what God has created. Ambition is another example. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament. Ambition is, is really neither good nor bad, but yet it became something. Their ambition led to the loss of their lives because Satan used that, that greed, that ambition, and he twisted it and he perverted it and they lost their lives. Sex is another example. Sex, there's nothing wrong with sex. It's a beautiful thing that God created. But do you remember the story of David and Bathsheba and how Satan used that which was good and he twisted it and he perverted it and he made it evil? What about your words? Your words, the ability to speak, is a gift from God. And yet, do you remember the story of Peter? Peter speaking to Jesus in Matthew 16, 23. He tried to keep Jesus from going to the cross. And do you remember what Jesus said to him? Get behind me, Satan. See, Satan wasn't creating anything there. He was using something God had created, and he was twisting it and perverting it to bring about in his what to try to bring about evil. Evil is when Satan twists things and perverts things to bring about natural disasters or war or immorality or slander. Um, So let me give you a very brief biography. We won't read 
all the scripture, but I'll give you the references and everything. A very brief biography of Satan. Because trying to understand who he is helps us understand what he does. First of all, he was an angel in heaven, according to Revelation 12, 3 through 9, and Revelation 9, 11. Uh, now, now, please understand, angels are not people who have died. Sometimes I hear people say that, well, well I got an angel in heaven, my, you know, my, my sweet little girl or my sweet wife, I've got an angel in heaven. People who die do not become angels. Angels are created spiritual beings made by God to serve Him in heaven. Angels are not uh, people who have died. Satan is a spiritual being. He was one of the angels of heaven. And all the angels of heaven were created by God. Now, number two, he fell from heaven due to pride. He fell from heaven due to pride. I'm going to read this text for you real quickly. Um, Isaiah 14, 12 through 15 from the Living Bible. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, mighty though you were against the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and rule the angels, and I will take the highest throne, and I will preside on the mount of assembly far away in the north, and I will climb to the highest heavens and be the, like the most high. But instead, you will be brought down to the pit of hell, down to, to its lowest depths. Pastor, how could that happen? I have absolutely no idea. I really don't. How could it be that, that Satan was an angel and, and he, he somehow corrupted himself through pride and, and fell from heaven and, and now is, is the enemy of God? How could that be? I, I don't know, but I do know this. I don't have to understand it for it to be true. And God says, this is what has happened. Now, number three, I'm just giving you a brief biography, and I, I really need to, to hustle here. A brief biography, uh, number three is this. He has been given limited freedom to influence the earth. Satan's limit is this. He must ask God's permission. Uh, two examples of that, Job 1, 6 through 12, and, and chapter 2, 1 through 6. Also from the New Testament, Luke twenty two thirty one, where Jesus says to Peter, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. That's a whole other Bible study there. How he's been given limited freedom to influence the earth, but he's on a leash. And he cannot do whatever he decides to do. He must ask God's permission. And that's a whole other Bible study. Um, uh, but here's a statement that I thought was really good. This is not original with me. Faith reminds us that all of our problems are father-filtered. Faith reminds us, our faith in God reminds us that all of our problems in life are father-filtered. I thought that was a good statement. One more thing about Satan as far as his biography. He is unalterably condemned to eternal destruction. You say, why doesn't God do something about Satan? He will. Revelation 20 verse 10 is very clear about that. He'll be thrown into the lake of burning sulfur. He'll be condemned to suffer God's judgment for eternity. By the way, Satan will not rule in hell. Satan will be judged in hell. Um, so, 
that, that's the, the second reason that evil exists in a world. Let me go to the third one real quickly. I, I won't spend a lot of time here. The third reason that evil exists in our world is mankind's choice because we accept evil. Evil is present in this world because we choose to do evil things. Uh, don't blame God for that. And don't blame Satan for that. Uh, if you want somebody to blame, look at yourself in the mirror. We choose to do evil things. We all do. Remember two truths. Put these on your notes. First of all, evil began with them. Who do you think them is? Adam and Eve. I mean, we enjoy pointing fingers at someone, so let's do that for just a moment. Evil began with them. Adam and Eve made a choice, and it cost them, and it has cost us. Uh, and, and we don't have time to go through all of that, but I think you're pretty much aware of it. Uh, Romans 5.12 is a key verse. You might want to write down that reference. I'll read it to you. Uh, you might want to find it in your Bible if you can find it quickly because I want to point out a phrase to you. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this same way, death came to all men because all sinned. Uh, would you circle or underline all sinned? Past tense. Not all will sin. Not all may sin or all could sin. All sinned. In Adam, we all sinned. He served as a representative of the human race and he did what every one of us would have done in the same situation. In Adam, we all sinned. Past tense. Now, we'd love to think that if we were in the Garden of Eden, we would have obeyed God and we would have done it right. I doubt it. I doubt it. So, the, the first point about, about us is, is that... Um, Evil began with them. And then number two, evil is present in me. Evil is present in me. In other words, it's not just their fault. We can't just point at Adam and Eve and blame them. It's not just their fault. It's our fault as well. In fact, Romans 7.21, just write down the reference. Romans 7.21, Paul says it best. He says, when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. And the wording there is so important. When I want to do good, we're talking about good and evil, right? Paul says, when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Have you learned that about yourself? Have you learned about yourself that even when you want to do good, evil is still right there? I'll close with Romans 3, 9 through 12. What shall we conclude then? Are we any better? Not at all. We've already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Why is there evil in the world? That's a huge question. There's evil in the world because God allowed us to have a choice. There's evil in the world because Satan is real. There's evil in the world because we choose to do evil. So, I'm sure that didn't answer all your questions, but maybe it got you thinking. And uh, you can dig deeper into that. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for watching online. I appreciate you tuning in. God bless you. Have a good night.